Hear the word of our Lord from 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in the 16th verse. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, the subject matter of today, I don't want anybody getting the wrong idea. Although I'm going to be using many silly voices and everything, I don't mean to just squish this guy who goes by the name Oni Deus. Get it? Oni, the Japanese term for some sort of demon or ogre, and Deus, the Latin word for God. So I guess demon god or god of the demons or something. That's what he wants to convey here on his Wattpad account. I'm not trying to just squish this guy. It seems like he really is given the old college try to actually think about stuff. But the problem is, um, none of us are as clever as we think we are. And none of us can match up or match wits with the word of God. When St. Peter says here that uh, prophecy is not a matter of one's private interpretation, what he's saying is, no, the prophets did not just try to discern the times and make something up. No, this really is the Holy Spirit giving us his word. Now, he's not denying the perspicuity of Scripture either. It is very clear. And St. Peter even says that the word of God is something that you should study because the inspired word is superior to personal experience. Even seeing Christ transfigured before you in all of his glory. That's a good thing. It means that the word is extremely powerful here. But with that said here, the, uh, quote, mysterious Antichrist document written by this Oni Deus guy, we're going to go ahead and read it and comment on it. I don't think it's copyrighted, but uh, Oni Deus, if you're upset by this, please send me an email at very underscore Lutheran at tutanota.com. Maybe we can get a dialogue going. But with that said, let's go ahead and just jump right in and talk about what he's saying. Plugs the titled vibe into my emotional cortex. I think I will do something scary. This might feel weird. I'm going to play Antichrist advocate in a hypothetical scenario, meaning I'm going to do my little exploratory waking dream bit, but I'm going to set up some base operating parameters. It's like playing Conway's game of life in your head, but with imaginative characters and circumstances. It plays itself, and I type as I watch, so it might be less coherent than usual. Okay, let's toke on into uncomprehensible imagination. Why is it called that? Oh. You'll find out. Takes a long toke. Three, two, one. Thinky blinky. Accessing autonomous creation controls. Amalgamating emotional cortex transfer protocols. 
pattern sequence amalgamation of personalized antichrist complete, running antithetical reality simulation, tandem reality split. I can feel the power of infinity welling up within. I can feel everything in the simulation, including the power of God. Unrestricted access to infinite imagination. Okay, what is he getting at here? He's saying, if I put up a hypothetical scenario of devil's advocate, or in this case, antichrist's advocate, maybe I can, maybe I can make an interesting thought exercise for everybody reading. And he's being creative, like he's plugging himself into the matrix and downloading lots of information about this uh, imaginative scenario here. Okay, well, buddy, let's go ahead and interact with your imagination. <clears throat> I can feel everything in the simulation, including the power of God, unrestricted access to infinite imagination. You didn't think the pen of God would simply be able to write words, did you? I challenge your perception. I challenge every last one of your religions. I could, you know, in court. I could take humanity to court for control over all. Uh, well, first off, um, the pen of God is able to write. God inspired the authors of Holy Scripture to give us Scripture. But also, he does other stuff. Absolutely, he can do a lot of other stuff. He's omnipotent. So he does act through his church. He is the one making the entirety of the heavens and earth proclaim that he is God, as scripture proclaims, you know, they, this is how it is. So, um, not surprised there, but, um, let's dive into this whole courtroom idea you have, because I don't think that you understand what the Antichrist is. Let's, let's continue here. On the simple basis that no other being on earth can reconstruct reality, only God has that ability. So if I prove I have, then I prove I'm God. I'm going to abracadabra your perception. Poof. No, you're not. No, really, you're not. Um, and reconstructing reality in actuality is something only God can do reconstructing reality in terms of your imagination or your perception is something everybody does as a mind game. But it's not actually reconstructing reality. I can convince myself that I'm an elephant, but I'm not an elephant. That doesn't make me God. It is a part of being made in the image of God that I can, you know, pretend or perceive reality differently. But that, again, is just being part of God's creation, being somebody with his image imbued in me. But we continue on. Oh, it's just, it's gone. I said so. You can't claim otherwise. Actually, I can. Um, nothing about my perception is gone. Who are you to say that it is gone, dude? You can't claim otherwise. Fundamentally, you as a human are just an animal that can consider itself and its circumstances. This is your perceptual awareness. It effectively creates reality. So what is reality? Well, normally you think of reality as physical as what is. No. No, I'm not an animal. I am a creature, but not an animal. There's a big difference. Human beings perceive things 
Yes, through their organs, through their eyes and their ears, their nose, their mouth, their nerve endings, and they process that information through their brain. However, there are spiritual parts to you that produce your mind, that produce your thoughts. Now, reality is not created by my perception. If I really, really, really try to deny gravity or the fact that stuff falls down and I jump off of my house, I'm going to break my legs. As simple as. And I don't have control over that. Now, I don't think of reality as physical, as what is. I know there is a lot more to it than that. There is the spiritual element to it. But let's keep reading. Let's see what his argument is. There is another way to think, though. You can think of reality as simply the effective scope of one's mental perception. After all, there's tons of, I'm going to censor swear words, tons of stuff in physical reality that's completely imperceptible to you. Your senses can't even come close to actually perceiving the whole of reality in its infinite complexities. Um, maybe I can't fully comprehend reality. I am just a human being after all. But if I still jump off my house, I'm breaking my legs. That's it. I can't really uh, create reality through my mental perception. But let's keep going. So if there's nothing else to perceive any of it, does it even exist? I mean, physically speaking, yes. But perceptually, mentally, none of it even exists at all, even if it does. The problem is that God exists and he's always perceiving all of reality, so it does exist. Perceptual reality is your reality. It has limits. Mine does not. Um, well, when I see you flying in through my window or teleporting or something, um, maybe I'll believe you. I can prove your limits in a court of law. Uh, you don't have to. I am a limited being and so are you. I could prove that my perceptual awareness is greater than anything. This wouldn't be hard, for example, when I look at the effective scope of your belief, your convictions. When I gauge them as a whole, no matter how weird or amazing or anime or whatever, they pale in comparison to what I can imagine. Uh, so you have a big imagination? That's cool, dude. I mean, I mean you, you wrote some interesting stuff here. So, I mean, there's imagination there. So good on you for that, but... I don't really feel the need to get into an imagination contest. But let's keep reading. Your God is limited by your own perceptual limitations. You've only been able to imagine God as so much. God, he's, he exists in functional reality for you. After all, asking me to prove I'm a real God would just make as much sense as asking you to prove that your God is real. Does your God show up to challenge me? Or is your God a coward in the face of something greater than itself? Well, first off, God is not limited by my perceptual limitations. This is why we believe in something called omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, ineffability. God is, strictly speaking, Ineffable. The human mind cannot fully comprehend him, and he can do anything he pleases. Uh, so, no, I don't really see him as existing in a functional reality for me. Although Lutheran theology does include those two big, very, very, very big words for you regarding God's graciousness to us. Uh, as for asking you to prove you're a real God, not making as much sense as you asking me to prove that my God is real, um, the problem is, is that you are a sole claimant to this. 
God is a witness to himself, indeed. I'm not making that claim. He's God, not me. Second, there are tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of eyewitnesses who have witnessed that, yes, this God indeed does exist. He's God. That's how this works. <laughs> through the miracles, through the resurrection of Christ, through so much in history, it is not just one guy saying he's God versus another guy saying, no, 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 dude, it's that other dude. Um, I, I believe in the God that has made himself known throughout history with several thousand years of people that agree with me and have experienced interactions with this God. So I'd say I have a much stronger case than you. However, when you ask, does your God show up to challenge me? Uh, yes, he does, actually. Because one day you're going to die, and who do you think did that? The Lord of life and death, the true God of the Bible, is the one who ultimately doesn't have to challenge you because he's just declared that every man is going to die. It is appointed once for man to die, and then comes the judgment. That is Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Now, obviously, the fun part here, the confrontational language, comes from this guy putting himself in the Antichrist's shoes, trying to play uh, devil's advocate, so to speak. But at the end of the day, even the Antichrist is definitely going to lose. That's something that very much is guaranteed. But let's go ahead and keep reading here. Again, I am interacting with the thought exercise, not necessarily the author. We are both real, in different ways, in different contexts, and that's the point. You humans can only imagine so much. You can only abstract God to a finite state antithetical to your own imaginative improvement. But I just said he's infinite. So no, I don't abstract God to a finite state. He's infinite. And, uh, no, you're, you're as real as I am in the same exact way. But let's continue. That is, the more you grow mentally as a species, the greater the God you can imagine, and the more complex that God can operate within you, actively, like I'm doing. As such, I can create an effective metric of your psychosocial evolution by simply looking at how great you can imagine God. Then I can create a new metric, a new bar of incomprehension so far out of your reach you'll have no choice but to concede control over to me, an openly stated antichrist acting in antithetical nature to your interests. No. No, no, actually, um, you see, in Genesis, Moses records in 1446 BC that God created the entirety of reality as recorded in 1446 BC. So even if there was some sort of psychosocial evolution, God has been presented as entirely infinite for at least 3,500 years. But you got to understand that there is a religious tradition that believes in this theistic God that goes far before that. I believe, as a Lutheran Christian, that this is ever since creation. And ever since Adam and Eve were created in the Garden of Eden. So it's really, really old. No, you can't just say that people getting quote-unquote smarter, which were really not smarter is um, something that changes how we perceive God. Now, typically people change their perception of God due to sin, but let's keep going here. I could force you to do this. No, you couldn't. But um, if you create a new bar of incomprehension so out of my reach, I have the choice to not concede control over to you. 
like what forces me to do that? <laughs> I am more creative than you. Worship me. No. But anyway, let's keep reading. I could force you to do this. Do you know why? It's programmed. In the Bible, how do you think the Antichrist is supposed to take control? How could any mere human ever think to actually command control over all humanity? Well, by simply suing for it. Shrugs. Uh, first off, this, I'm sorry, I'm going to address the writer. You should look into the Lutheran understanding of the Antichrist. Um, anti means against. Anti also means in the place of. So this is an individual that is against Christ, but also inhabits a position in the place of Christ. So we Lutherans do believe that the office of papacy is Antichrist, because as the vicar of Christ, so to speak, the Pope presumes to stand in Christ's stead here on earth. Literally, Antichrist. But also, the errors of Rome are contra Christ. They are against Christ in so many various ways. I'm not saying every Roman Catholic is damned. There are many faithful good Christians in the Church of Rome. However, this is despite the errors and pig-headed wrong mistakes and even heresy at times that has inhabited the Roman Catholic Church. That's the actual Antichrist. It is the office of the papacy. Could there be a final Antichrist that is some super powerful swell dude? Well, kind of. The book of Revelation does present a beast rising from the earth that very much seems to be a pretender of a Jewish messiah that tries to control the entirety of the world. However, that is not necessarily the Antichrist. That is just a figure in prophecy that we cannot fully identify. But we continue. He says, by suing for it, the most expedient means available, and I could do it at any point as I've already effectually demonstrated it countless times. No, you haven't. I can easily conceptualize forms of God far beyond the limits of any normal human understanding, to the point where I can reduce your entire reality field to nothing more than redundant cycles masked with delusion. And where do you expect to go from there? How do you even argue your way past your own limitations? You think this is a joke? For fun? I'm actually doing this. It might be a simulation, but it's a genuine copy. I took my sin and conceptualized it in sentient form within an antithetical ex exoversal reality line. So it's like creating an evil clone of myself inside an artificial reality field, one that works through inversionary properties. Only God has this power. Yeah, no, playing make-believe isn't actually affecting reality. That's the problem with it. Now, imagination is very, very powerful, but again... You cannot conceptualize a form of God beyond the limits of my normal human understanding. The infinite, ineffable, perfect being. I mean, this is the ontological argument 101. If you can imagine a being greater than God, then the God that you presume to be inferior to this other imagined being is not actually God. It's also where we get the existence of the theistic God. Because if I imagine the perfect, most perfect possible being, the greatest possible being, but he doesn't exist, then he is not the greatest possible being. 
having all perfections. Existence is a perfection, therefore the greatest possible being must exist. And if he does, which he does, this thought experiment fails. This Antichrist figure that um, Oni Deus here is trying to present to us doesn't work simply because the theistic God that is infinite and perfect will not permit it to happen. It kind of falls flat just because God exists and quite independently of our perception here. But let's go ahead and give him a chance to make more of an argument here. His part two, the evil of inhumanity. Let's continue on, but let's get more in tune with exploitative inhumanity to see which side of evil is really the worst rendition of the effective Antichrist. In other words, um, let's, let's just keep going, I guess. Takes another long toke. Keep in mind, I'm going so far out of my way to put things into your favor that I'm paralyzing my thought process for the benefit of your ability to try and outreason a living God. Three, two, one. Thinky Blinky. Accessing autonomous creation controls. Accessing counter-reactive weapon systems. Um, okay. Like, I, I get it, dude. You're, you're presenting something like a, the Matrix or something. Um, but let's, let's see here where your actual line of argument is. So the current god state of humanity is bureaucracy. Controlled death. Controlled autonomy. Artificial reality. You're trying to turn yourselves into Conway's game of life, sentience without effective purpose. Redundant sentience isn't sentience. You see, you're only sentient if your sentience is evolving, otherwise it dies out. Well, maybe that's a factor considering that all humanity dies, but that's not necessarily true. I would argue that the, the premise, you're only sentient if your sentience is evolving, uh, does not work. I can sit around and just be aware, and nothing is changing or evolving, and uh, here I am. Now, I will die, sure, unless Christ comes back first. Yes, I'm going to die. That's part of the human condition. That's not necessarily something that makes reality artificial. As for Conway, I mean, the, the dude invented a quote-unquote zero-player game that was Turing complete, whatever that means. I mean, okay, fun thought experiment, but it doesn't actually have any bearing on how reality is, given that it is an artificial creation itself. I don't think it is a very good object to base one's opinions of reality on. Let's keep going, though. That's effectively it. That's your collective anti-crystal reflection. But why did you try and become God? I didn't. Oh, I see. Universe 25. You discovered it too. The crab's in a bucket. Your sentience is geared towards eating itself under utopic conditions. No, it's not. I mean, yes, humanity fell in the Garden of Eden, which is absolutely a paradise. At least it was, if it doesn't exist anymore. Um, but no, my sentience doesn't eat itself when things are going good. I can just chill and be happy. Sentience requires many things to function without eating itself. Hardship, strife, fear, discipline, routine, reality, reward, dream. Your evil god finds just killing everything not nailed down as the best means of perceptual gardening. Um, no, death is a punishment. God is not evil for killing us or for deciding that it is for us to die because he is just. And that is not a means of perceptual gardening, although suffering does build character. That is a part of it, but not the point of it. 
Me, I want to torture you all with genuine comprehension. Wrath isn't nearly as evil as simply making you look at the true nature of yourselves and your perception, turning truth into a weapon capable of elevating your attention to where you can understand exactly how you're eating yourselves. Um, how does understanding stuff torture me? <laughs> I mean, are, are we doing Lovecraft posting here? Oh my gosh, I understand so much! No! <laughs> What an assertion. Let's see if we, uh, we get to that assertion. Your society is nothing but a blur. A pointless reprieve is your collective psychosocial sentiments rise to wrath naturally. You see, you need agitation to survive, to gain. But then you make agitation inherently exploitable. Oops, the abuser type is born. I don't need agitation to survive. Again, that comes off of the premise that uh, sentience needs development or evolution and that requires struggle and you blame god for that and the fact that some people i guess take bad things and make hay out of them equals an abuser type hmm even worse than a lunatic an abuser isn't simply a emotional explosion incarnate a schizophrenic might at least have the saving grace of being a slave to their broken mind but the abuser their mind isn't broken. In fact, it's functioning at a level faster than most. So even with advanced comprehension capability, they hurt humans as if they were animals to acquire greater and greater levels of satiation because they become addicted. Abuse isn't a sign of intelligence, it's a sign of evil. There are really dumb abusers out there, just as there are absolutely intelligent abusers. That's a weird metric to judge whether or not somebody's intelligent. But that doesn't change my comprehension of reality here. The addicted become abusers. It's quite simple. You fantasize like a fetish. The fantasy is antithetical to reality, so it is inherently exploitable by evil as a means of attacking reality itself. You just need a little bit of plastic plausibility, because you're addicted to that, too. What? Drug dealers. Drug addicts. It's just slavery with less steps. Well, it seems like this Antichrist character that you wrote in knows a thing or two about being addicted to drugs. All fetishes are inherently linked to expressions of dominance or submission as a means of control-seeking behavior. So in normal operation mode, the weak strive to be strong. That is dominance within domain as a means of satiating mental addictions. Oh, that's interesting, claiming that all fetishes are linked to expressions of dominance or submission. Um, for somebody that claims that they have a completely, totally, infinitely expanded mind, that they can't come up with a fetish that doesn't involve dominance or submission means that this individual here, this pretend antichrist, is actually quite narrow-minded. Uh, thus destroying his case that being big-minded equals taking over God's position. So you still have the addiction, you see. It's just sustainable. On the flip side, when abusers take control, they'll try and flip the balance around as a means of generating abject power. It's like someone says, glasses are the coolest. Then next week, someone says, glasses are the lamest. And you wind up with a stupid war between stupid fad factions trying to establish mental dominance. But without reasons, because humans are stupid. Uh, actually, I don't care about glasses. I mean, they look good on some people and not on others. Uh, human beings don't act with such a black and white thinking everywhere that they can't have any nuance. Like, they can't get along. I mean, people get along all the time. But anyway...
Let's keep reading. So your societies and cultures wind up resembling the equivalent of a children's finger painting if you don't let actively demand higher standards. If, wait, 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 let's reread that. If you don't let actively demand higher standards, that's a nonsense statement. Um, it doesn't make grammatical sense, so I'm just going to move on. Push the bar up, that's good. Pushing the bar down, that's bad. So it makes sense for a powerful man to dress like a woman to express humility and control of power to the point of actively negating it. But when something that's already weak seeks to become something perceptually even weaker, and it's doing it as a means of acquiring power through psychosocial manipulation, yeah, that's an abuser effing with your sense of reality for their personal gain. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure that somebody that does present as weaker in order to manipulate people, yes, that's an abuser. Um, that's not all abusers, though. Sometimes somebody just punches their spouse to force her to do things she doesn't want to do. That's wickedness, yes, but it doesn't have to necessarily fall under this definition. But we keep going here. Humans should be expected to mentally improve, not give up or give in for the sake of garnering scraps of pity. Praise over pity, climb up, not down. But the evil unchecked greed that's strangling you right now, it's even worse because that Antichrist is addicted to avoiding humility through unrelenting self-superiority. Uh, I mean, yeah, Boniface did declare himself to be king of the world. Um, there are other popes that basically just demanded fealty from all human beings, pretending to have uh, secular temporal power. That was pretty bad. There was definitely some arrogant problems there. To be clear, as before, when it comes to superiority, there is more than one direction in which to climb. When one becomes addicted to abuse, not simply for undeserved gain, but when they become addicted to the act of abuse itself, well, that's when you're effed. I mean, unless I just do something to avoid the abuser. But let's just go ahead and move on to the next part here. Let's alter this perceptual desktop. Elevates further perceptually reconnects. The abusers don't have a choice, you know. The reason they have to escalate is because their unchecked greed builds intolerance to humility, to the point where the mere idea of expressing any level of humility causes that pent of wrath to explode into even greater abuse, because you can only control so much wrath at once. Except for me. I can control wrath by creatively converting it into artistry instead of abuse. Like writing this? I mean... Maybe after you fix some grammar and think some other stuff through. Again, not every abuser acts the same exact way or has the exact same motivations. It's not always greed, although unchecked greed is a bad thing. I would agree with you there. Not many humans get to learn this trick. Your world would be much better if it were focused on artistry over abuse. Still doomed, though. Let's look at the math. An abuser level of addiction can be measured by their wrath cycle. You already have this. It's literally called the cycle of abuse. Just apply fourth dimensionally thinking. Fourth dimensionally thinking? Hmm. Hmm. The cycle can increase in speed and does the more the abuser becomes addicted, building up an addictive intolerance to humility until they reach a point where they need to express unrelenting wrath and abuse and try to escape reality. Uh, dude, I've met some pretty humble abusers. They admitted they were abusers, they just didn't stop. You're all the abuser. All of you. 
You were in the honeymoon stage there for a while, when Epstein and his friends were in control and living larger than everyone else, burning past addiction to the point of abject inhumanity. Don't worry. You know the story of Kronos? Yeah, the raped generation are in control now. They turn on their rape daddy and simply took over the country. They feel such incredible wrath because of what you, what your society, did to them. You let your richest and your most powerful rape them all like animals, as children. They want to kill you all and start over. They want to prove Universe 25 true for humans. It's pretty simple. Sex is addictive. Fetish is crazy addictive. Fetish is sexualized antithetical reality, which is like magic inside your brain. Or at least that's what happened, because you didn't read the Bible any longer. Wait, so this entire time the address of this uh, fictional antichrist figure is aimed at bad people? Or he's just trying to comment on, like, wrath because people notice the injustice and want justice done. Um, okay. Let's, let's keep reading here. The Bible was giving you magic because your brain needs it to function as a result of your psychosocial evolution. Because the sky was effing magic, yo. Couldn't touch it. It wasn't physical, and yet it could affect other senses, like what you could see, what you could feel, what you could hear. It could affect you, but you could not affect it. This created human sentience, autonomy, the idea of a thing that can affect you, but you cannot affect it. Normally, you artificially satiate it with the Bible, with the belief in God as your effective sky. But now you worship little stupid screens, which are programmable skies. Great. That's all it took to essentially enslave you, because the computer is like you being God. You control the sky, finally. You're driven to conquering the unknown, to discovering God. Actually, no, I just believe what the Bible says. And no, the Bible was not written by a bunch of primates that looked up at the sky and went, Wow, we're going to spend 1,500 years writing 66 books inside of a library that is self-referential 30,000 times in perfect harmony because the sky is big and I can't touch it. No, that's not how the Bible was written at all. Even people that disagree with the contents of the Bible would say that's not why the Bible was written at all. This is one of the weirdest ideas, uh, that suddenly if I can't affect something, it becomes God to me or magical. I mean, I can't go over to Mount Everest and affect it right now. That doesn't make it the quote-unquote sky to me. But let's see what he says next. The smart ones among you understand this isn't possible, and you've done it before. You've read stories like the Tower of Babel, and you think of those people as naive, but they believed just as firmly as you believe in computer technology, that they can use it to grasp control of God. I don't believe in computer technology to do that. So, um, who's this Antichrist guy arguing with, exactly? And, um... Wouldn't you commend them for thinking that? Because that opens up the uh, perception of their mind to greater possibilities. Like, the attack that this Antichrist figure has is that people are too narrow-minded, and whoever has the most expansive mind wins. People believing something as silly as computers equals their god, or uh, the people that made the Tower of Babel thinking that they could... Um, you know, kind of supplant God there with collective humanity, wouldn't the Antichrist commend that as being more open-minded and con comprehending more? Okay, well, whatever. Self-contradiction aside, 
You can't, of course. That's true state reality, but your perceptive reality tells you otherwise all the time, simply as a result of addictive impulse, meaning your reality is constantly warped by your perceptual addictions, and what greater possible addiction could there be at what greater point of exploitation than the role of God himself? Wait, true state reality? At the very beginning of this, the Antichrist figure that uh, Onideus is writing for here says that there is no true state reality. It's so complex that reality is created by perception. I said that was wrong. He argues against the idea of a true state reality, and now he brings it up. Hmm. Let's, let's see what he says. I mean, I can tell you right now, as a living god, it would not be out of my ability to turn water stains into red wine stains, to turn holy water into the blood of Christ. Uh, well, that would be weird, Mr. Antichrist, because Christ turns wine into his blood. He, he goes with the wine, his blood, and his body with the bread at Eucharist. Um, okay. You can just add a little essential oil. Seriously, I recommend baby powder. It'll completely disrupt your emotional sense of wrath. No, I mean by design. Cause, like the abusers, the actual antichrist that's already taking control, it literally uses that smell to try and keep you from the behavioral sink, the effect of Universe 25. That's also why it wants to normalize and advertise abortion, because it's better you abort fetuses than murder children. Do you get what I'm telling you? No. These crazies did studies with sense to find out which ones deterred murderous intent. That was Epstein's generation, the new generation. Well, they just want to murder you all forever. You see, you're not simply circling the drain already. You're falling straight in. And your evil masters know it. Frowny face emoji. They plan to let it happen, but as a means of feigning morality, they're speeding it up so it's more humane. Like how PETA slaughters, or sorry, like how PETA euthanizes all the animals. All of them, literally nothing on earth ever in history of anything on earth has slaughtered more life than PETA unless you count literal mass level extinction events. I'm just, I'm just putting that out on the table. Um, so let's try and unpack what he's saying. He's saying that there's an abusive elite that understands that people are mad and the wrath cycle is happening. They don't feel like they're going to stop it. They can't stop it. So they're trying to make it have as much of a soft landing as possible, speeding it up because the baby powder that they believe changes murderous intent, like isn't working anymore or something. Anyway, uh, let's see part four here entitled Ungodly Evil Intent. Let's switch up the vibe again becomes one with the burning bushels of bud. Perceptually reconnects. Okay, dude, I'm not gonna lie. I've been interacting with what you're saying, but I'm hearing a lot of talk about weed. And marijuana does not make you smarter in the slightest. In fact, they've demonstrated that regular heavy marijuana use lowers IQ by at least a standard deviation over 10, 15 years. Uh, yeah. If you're actually, as, as the writer here, if you're smoking dope all the time, that's bad for you and you should stop. I really hope that you didn't think this uh, thing you wrote here on Wattpad was an actual argument, but if you're abusing substances, man, you gotta quit it for your own good. Like, you did not smoke dope and suddenly break out of the matrix. You just get brain damage from ayahuasca, and THC is a psychoactive substance that just harms you, okay?
but we will give it an actual serious reading here. I'm not just going to pretend you're an idiot and say, like, I don't have to take you seriously at all. Maybe there's people reading this that might actually have their faith attacked by this. So let's go ahead and keep reading. How do you like this? You normies reading along? Do you get it yet? You're just stupid kids being led around by slightly older stupid kids who pretend to be smarter than you, when in reality you're all stupid, and the only real way to reach beyond stupidity is with manipulation. That is how humans work. They seek manipulation of the unknown. That's why you fall for plastic plausibility so easily, a.k.a. troll science. Um, no, manipulation of the unknown isn't how, um, you get smarter. Uh, you could just read a book, I guess. Do math problems. Definitely read the Bible. Everybody should be reading the Bible, because that is actually the word of God. I don't know what this fake antichrist here is presuming his writing to be, but I will take the Bible over that any day. Let's keep reading here. You're either doing that to build the world up to greater decadence, or you're doing it to play God to try to escape the effects of addiction by emulating greater perceptual decadence. Artificial decadence is fetish. The greatest fetish is the fetishization of God himself, either ruling with psychopathy or following with sycophantry. That is the end fall. The want to try and connect to God cannot happen without the intent to emulate God. Well, fun, fun fact, life hack. God reaches out to you. His word connects him to you. He is the one that in the proclamation of his word and through the means of grace establishes communion with human beings. And also, I mean, maybe you could benefit from Brother Lawrence's The Practice of the Presence of God to understand a little bit more of the mystical side of things. But I would say avoid uh, mysticism if you're going to look at it as some way to become God. Obviously, that is the first sin, human beings wanting to be gods themselves. But I wouldn't say that's a fetish. Anyway, let's keep reading here. To be clear, I am not technically God. You called yourself a living God there, Mr. Antichrist. However, I can emulate God better than your current psychotic overlords. I don't know, they're doing a pretty good job of exercising, um, terrible control over the world. I'm very excited for when God gives us justice against those who are destroying society in our lives. Which is good, because they killed yours. They did not kill God, no. Uh, my understanding of God as infinite means he is completely impassable. You cannot harm God. Anyway, so if I can't rebuild what they destroyed, well, you're all dead. What happens when you try and play God and it F's up? Well, if you're an abuser, you use it as a mean of declaring God dead. And the problem is, what happens when you think that you've disproven God simply because you tried to haphazardly emulate God and failed? Uh-oh, your sentience collapses. Because the belief in God creates a metric that gives your life meaning. Meaning, I just proved that you used God. You attempt to steal the power of God as a means of giving yourself meaning. So let me get this straight. Believing in God gives meaning, and by believing in God, you manipulate God or attempt to steal his power by manipulation. The problem is you don't understand monergism. I do not give myself faith. God is the one who gives us faith in him. 
to believe in the true God of the Bible is something that God initiates in your very soul. It's up to you whether you're going to accept what he's just done or reject it. Grace is resistible. But it's not on you to decide to believe in God in order to give your life meaning, manipulating a made-up God. No, the real God is the one who reaches out to us. But let's keep going here. Just because something created you doesn't mean you are entitled to it. You see it with rich kids. They feel entitled to their parents' wealth. You see it everywhere in society where everyone feels entitled to everything simply because someone told they should. You killed your own god with self-entitlement. Slow clap. Oh boy, I should have read that in a boomer voice. Stupid entitled millennials feeling entitled to god. Slow clap there, millennials should have voted Reagan. But we keep reading. (laughs) But that's okay, I can build you a new god. No, you can't. Not really. It's the old God. It's Jesus. I'm just repairing the stupid level damage. What? Oh, and uh, just to be clear, I defeated myself as the Antichrist. I used the weapon of apathy. Because who the F wants to have to babysit you all? I mean, if I'm your God, like I'm giving you autonomy just so I can have an excuse to get you all to F off and leave me alone. Smiley face emoji. Um... God isn't dead, and nor is he built. In the true God of the Bible, our Lord Jesus Christ, being the second person of the Trinity, never needed to be um, reconstructed. And I'm pretty sure, being completely omnipotent, it is no big deal for him to, quote-unquote, babysit us. Anyway, this uh, goes against the Antichrist's supposed lawsuit here in the first part, that claims that we have to give him absolute control. But let's keep going. <clears throat> See, Jesus. Much better branding. And I know I switched from the, like, fake neo-enlightened voice to, like, a villain voice. But that's intentional here, because we're getting to the, I guess, good part. Also, I can see the pieces all over the place. So it's not like it's hard to just put it all back together. Upgraded, but the same conceptual chemistry. I'm just, like, taking this stuff to a whole new level of Narnia. But it's still the same underlying human-compatible source bourgeois that I'm reasonably certain Jesus derived from nature itself. Uh, what? Are you saying Jesus just kind of uh, made it up? Uh, well, then, uh, no. Um, he actually did rise from the dead. He actually was God. Everything that he says is truly the word of God because Jesus Christ is God. But let's continue here. Being that I am the Antichrist, that sounds boring and I'm too busy hating you to save you. But at the same time, one must save you because, well, then what would one rule over? I mean, I can't very well be the God of nothing. How embarrassing would that be? So, like, if I have to be the god of humans, or whatever your species calls itself, but since I'm the Antichrist, well, the only way to prove that is with absolute evil. Uh, so in the previous part that he wrote, he claimed he didn't want to be god, and he didn't want to save anybody or anything, and he said he didn't want to babysit us and stuff like that. So very self-contradictory figure here that our author, uh, Oni Deus, here has cooked up. He's contradicted himself several times, in fact. But, hmm, maybe he ties it all together by the end. Let's go ahead and keep reading. 
So why don't I brew up a batch, and then there won't be any mistake as to what is the most evil thing in existence. There is a way to siphon, genuine, heartfelt conviction from humans as a means of satiating hyperhumiliation with death. By making it so humans think that they can die. You see, the perfect world for evil is one in which you have a belief system that keeps you sustainably alive at the perceptual level, like science the poop out of religion until the two become effectively one in the same, sterilized belief. So you feed emotional conviction cravings while operating under the belief that you simply die and there is no afterlife. If you understood your actual immortality, you see, if you knew that shooting yourself in the head would never end your pain, suffering, and misery, but in fact would only make it exponentially worse, would you still do it? See, purest evil will give you sustainable belief, the kind that will maximize emotional addictions for the sake of maximizing emotional suffering and agony within hell. To be clear, all the evils that have ever been in control of you, none has ever been evil enough to expose that fact to you, and all for the sake of simply enjoying your perceptual shock knowing that collective human shock is what literally creates the base conditions of hell itself in the metaphysical field of reality that you exist in after death. Meaning I just alter the perceptual conditions of hell itself to give me more power. Because if you're gonna go evil, why half but it? Evil for greed? How human? How do you think an evil god would operate? Oh boy, um... Look, the most evil being in the universe, Satan, is going to burn in hell for all eternity. But right now, as he's referred to as the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians 2, uh, he really doesn't have to rely on just one strategy. Like, you really got to think, going to hell is the worst thing that can happen to a human being, period. Par none. Going to the lake of fire for all eternity is the absolute worst thing that can happen to you. It does not matter if it is from greed. It does not matter if it's from false religion. It does not matter if it is from murder or uncontrolled lust, any sort of impenitent sin or anything like that. The point is to get you to be damned. That's it. It's not just going to have, like, the most evilest of strategies ever. The devil is kind of a one-size-fits-all big tent strategist. And the uh, cure for that strategy is to hold on to faith in Christ and rejoice that he is your savior. But let's go ahead and finish this up. Part five, he's entitled it, In the Absence of God's Light. One last vibe for the ride out. Tokes down the road a ways. <laughs> Perceptually reconnects. The afterlife is affected by reality. You can literally reshape heaven and hell through your everyday little lives simply because you never actually die. So it's possible to effectively end heaven simply by ending the belief in it. What happens when humans create technology to save themselves retroactively from death? To functionally remove death from the true state of reality so that then it only exists perceptually. That's how easy it is to kill any of your gods forever, or at least the best current way of deluding humanity into the darkest path possible, namely your existence with the absence of God. Well, okay, Mr. Fictional Antichrist, first off, um, the afterlife is a part of reality. Reality includes before you, during you, and after you. 
the material realm, the immaterial, spiritual realms, and so forth, etc. They are actual places. Meaning that, no, a human being, according to their quote-unquote perceptual reality, isn't going to skip out on hell just because they don't believe it. And if somebody has an oopsie in their faith and for a few minutes stops believing in heaven for some foolish reason or another, um, heaven still exists. You don't end it. And if you were to turn to Christ and fix your false belief, you would end up in the real heaven. You don't control these things. Perceptions do not control reality. They only affect the person who has a mistaken perception of reality. It'll affect you, sure, but you're still going to break your legs if you jump off that house. Continuing on. As your antichrist, I'm giving that to you. I'm giving you the knowledge of understanding yourselves in the absence of God's light. Because I know, as the truest evil unimaginable, nothing will hurt you more than knowing evil can hurt God by simply hurting you. And that pain isn't enough to garner God's attention. So you see, I gave you a metric for God's love. Your own. None of that was sensible. But I can say, A, you can't hurt God. And B, uh, you're not going to hurt faith by claiming that you can hurt God. I just don't believe you. Now what, pal? I mean, at best you got yourself at an impasse, because I don't have to believe you just because you say something. I really don't. But anyway, let's uh, keep going. Because these, the evil truth is, God doesn't love that which doesn't fight back against evil. That's why evil always attacks the weakest targets first out of fear. Because God doesn't love the weak. Your God is willing to sacrifice the weak. Your God is cruel by your overly entitled, self-absorbed human standards. Um, no, God does love people that are listless, that are shiftless, that do not fight against evil. Jesus Christ died for every single human being ever, good and bad. This is why we believe in what's called universal objective justification, unless you're Eldona, but Eldona guys sit in the corner over there and be mad by themselves. Yes, Jesus died for you. The atonement is not limited, and God does love you. Case in point, guess what? All those people that aren't fighting back against evil, they are eating. Chances are they're eating. Chances are they're eating food. They're wearing clothes. God is providing for them because he loves them. So, um, this notion here that this uh, Antichrist character is positing is just, it's just so silly, guys. Continuing on, though. In non-Antichrist terms, how to tell if your god was invented by narcissist abusers? In reality, they do this because those who seek the power of God, which they always assume to be themselves, they fear the possibility of a real god, so they continually try and test God, to a point to try and force God to prove him into being simply for the sake of their unchecked abuse. Because of their warped perception, that's just how they perceive God. Their God accepts sacrifice of the weak for imagined gain. That's all the more of a God their brand of humanity is even capable of conceiving. To them, God is never anything more than power to obtain through abuse. So they abuse 
to build towers of godly power, which is the easiest way one could think of to try, which is why it's just as foolish as battle, physical, digital, or emotional, to abusively tear down to build up. Well, maybe some of the people running the world think that way. Um, Lord knows they don't like Jesus at all. They don't love Christianity. They hate it. Um, okay? Probably not all of them. I'm sure some of them are in some sort of um, hedonistic money haze, so to speak. Some of these guys, especially out there in Silicon Valley, yeah, some of them want some sort of digital panopticon. They want to be gods of the world or whatever and control everything in the world. Other ones just like money. <laughs> anyway, let's keep going here. We don't have too, too much left. Something, something, no foundation to build upon. You can't create God from weakness, not ever. God only comes from strength. The strength of conviction is the greatest strength humanity can ever hope to grasp, so if you ever want to truly reach God, conviction is the only way you will ever get his attention. Like, spare me the Feuerbach argument that mankind invented God to meet psychological needs or whatever, or desires. Feuerbach was just plain wrong. If I'm sick, and I know the only thing that is going to make me feel better is the sunshine, right? The sun's going to come out. It's going to come over the horizon one way or another, not just because I want the sunshine on my skin to warm me up. There is such a thing as God saying that man created God or whatever, and like we do this for various reasons. Maybe that explains some religions. It does not explain the true God of the Bible, especially because sinful human beings would never invent Christianity. It asks too much of you. It wants all of you. God doesn't play fair. He doesn't care that you want to sin. He tells you no. I mean, if you were going to invent a religion as a normal sinner, you'd invent something more along the lines of Greco-Roman uh, polytheism, where if there's something you like, there's a god for it that'll say, yeah, you can do what you want, pal. Have as much fun as you like. The Feuerbach argument does keep running through this whole mysterious Antichrist Wattpad manifesto here, and it's pretty silly. Again, nobody in their sinful mind would ever create Christianity. That's just the case, but let's go ahead and finish up. There's just a few more paragraphs. And now you know why we subscribe to Jesus out of evil laziness. Just... Just wrap your evil in sloth. Baby it, baby your evil, baby its evil impulses. Shush, 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 put your evil to bed. Snore. Yea, the pen is mightier than the sword. Jesus defeated the Antichrist's shadow using a pen. Truly, truly amazing work. That Jesus dude, he's pretty cool. You should totes go read his stuff. I hear he's a right jolly good chap, knows how to step right on over Universe 25 like it's not even there. Sustainable living without reliance on evil and unchecked addiction. In this life, world, reality, or any other, operate accordingly to Jesus Christ. By the by, do you know what you call an honest liar? A storyteller. Anything evil I can make, not evil, because I have a remnant of pure creation. It's what narcissism turns into if you figure out how to rewire the poop to a better standard of perception. Does require a bit of humility to make it go, though. I get mine by giving all my power over to God. That's all it takes to get infinite imagination. That's all it takes to reach God. Humility. Um, 
I don't know if the author is trying to, on account of his fiction here, advocate for Christianity. Um, I mean, if he did, it was by offering such a terrible argument in the Antichrist's mouth that everybody wants to go to Jesus just to spite him. Maybe. Maybe that's your apologetic, but... Um, the metaphysics that are advocated here aren't really metaphysics. The argumentation sounds a lot like dude, weed, Lamau, reality, what if we're in a simulation matrix, lol. It's not really something I'd want to take seriously. But there are people that honestly do think of these things and question them because it is a hard truth. That reality is absolute because God is the one who created it, and he is absolute. He will not be denied. He will not be negotiated with. He is not constructed. He is eternal. And yes, God is just. I can see somebody trying to do emotional alchemy or whatever in reading this document and thinking themselves wiser, like they're playing an illusory game or something. Uh, my response is, that doesn't work. God will not be mocked. God will not be denied. And again, he cannot be negotiated with. And he does not tolerate the presence of evil. That is why Christ died to expunge the universe and all of reality of evil. And he rose again, by the way. He rose again so that if you believe in him and are baptized in the true Christ, believe in him and trust in him for your salvation. Not a mental construct Christ like this fake antichrist guy in this document is trying to posit here. The real Jesus, trust in him, be baptized, go to the sacraments, and yes, you will live like him. You will be resurrected. You will be perfected. And this is a wonderful thing to celebrate. So, that said, um, antichrist BTFO, Amen and amen.